Let me tell you a secret. The seller must not tell you. Must I tell you? The seller must not tell you. They say they say it's unprofessional to tell you. <laughs> say, say, Pastor, don't mind being unprofessional. <laughs> you should see the dean. So, I think I'm getting old. Because the message I wanted to preach today, I'm told I've preached it already. Um, <laughs> they told me I've preached it. So they come to me, Pastor, what's your title today? So I gave them my title. And they said, so you've preached this. I'm saying, when? They said, a few weeks ago. I'm like, no, I did not preach this thing. I had it prepared in my notes, and I've been telling you guys that I'm going to preach it. He says, no, we preached it. So they checked and everything, and they said, ah, pastor, here's proof. And they've got all the points that are prepared. I don't know, when did I preach this message? I must have appeared here at church, you guys were there, and I'm not even aware of it. So you know what that means? I don't need this thing. Because pastor don't have a message for you. <laughs> But I saw something a few weeks ago. I was invited to the church, um, RCC. They had a conference, and a pastor showed up, and then he said, uh, today I'm going to freestyle. And I was like, I've never heard a pastor saying I'm going to freestyle. So while he's busy preaching, and I could pick up that, no, man, this man is all over the place. Oh, freestyling is an pastor that shows up unprepared. So, guess what I'm going to do today? Freestyle. <laughs> Amen? Can I freestyle? Must I freestyle? Let's see what the Lord has for us, alright? Let's see. Well, I'm just going to be with the Bible and we'll see what the Lord has for us, alright? But before we get into the word, whatever word, Lord, before we get into it, um, We've got greater marriages next week, am I right? Jeez. Three. Yeah. No, man, that date is wrong. That date is wrong. That date is wrong. Remember, we swapped them around. It should be the 23rd, right? This coming Saturday, the 23rd of um, September. So this past three weekends, I mean, this two weekends has been busy. And this next one again. Yesterday we had a very successful graduation. If you were not here, you missed out. We had a great graduation. I, I thought they would prepare some pictures just to like make them play a little bit. Maybe if you can, towards the end of my word, uh, whatever word, we can play some. <laughs> We can play some, some, some uh, clips, all right? But so next week, Saturday is Greater Marriages. Now, this is a, um, what is this? Is it a course? Not a course. It's a gathering uh, of married people, uh, even those that are about to get married, those that are trusting God for marriage. We discuss everything marriage, all right? Everything marriage, and I promise you, you don't want to miss it. 
because it will really impact your life, impact your marriage, prepare you for marriage, give you the right mindset for marriage because some of you guys know that the devil hates marriages. The devil hates marriages. You must understand something. The devil hates God, but he cannot get to God. The only way the devil can get to God is by getting to what God created. And God created you and I. So he attacks us because he wants to get to God. It's like someone hates you and they mistreat your children. So they've got no problem with your children. They just have a problem with you, but they can't get to you, so they go to your children. So there's the same picture. The devil hates God so much that now he attacks God's creation, and we are God's creation. Marriage is created by God. So he will attack everything to do with God just to get to God. Amen? Are you with me? So when we come to church, we learn things that will help us prevent and overcome the devil's challenges and attacks. That's what the Bible says, do not be ignorant in the devil's strategies. Don't be ignorant on how the devil operates. Don't be ignorant of his plans, of his strategies, of his schemes, of his lies. Don't be ignorant. You must be aware that the devil is in operation and be aware how he operates so that you can tell when this is the devil and you can tell when this is not the devil. Are you with me? So many times we fight each other because we do not know the real enemy and the person next to you is not your enemy. The enemy is the one that is influencing the one that you think is the enemy. Are you with me? So we are fighting wrong battles because we don't know who our real enemy is. And that our enemy is the devil. The Bible says we should not wrestle against flesh and blood, which means people are not our problem. Tell the person next to you, say, you are not my problem. <laughs> Tell them, say, you can never be my problem. <laughs> Tell them, I know you stress me, but you are not my problem. <laughs> are you with me? Hello? So when you fight people, you are fighting the wrong enemy, and the real enemy continues to win. Are you with me? And the devil likes it when we are ignorant of him as the enemy. Because when we're fighting our neighbors, he's succeeding. Now we fight our neighbors, and then after the, we fight this one, we fight the next one, and we keep on fighting people until there's no one else to fight. Then we get to the point where we fight ourselves. Say this, I, I am, not am not my enemy. Do you know that the devil can cost you, can use you against yourself? The devil can use you against you? Are you with me? The greatest weapon of the enemy is suggestion. He will suggest things into your mind. He will lie to your mind and get you to believe your mind. That's why we want people that watch your thoughts because they become your words. And watch your words because they become your beliefs. And watch your beliefs because they become your emotions. And watch your emotions because they become your actions. And watch your actions because they become your destiny. So if you do not watch these things, you'll find yourself in a place you never dreamt to be, where God never wanted you to be, because you allowed wrong thinking coming into your mind. That's what the Bible says, we must be changed, we must be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Say, my mind, my mind must be, must be renewed. renewed. Now the word renew is two words, I'm already preaching. 
<laughs> you guys are standing up. <laughs> all right, all right, sit down, sit down. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Are you with me? So the Bible says we must renew our minds. Say, I must get my mind renewed. Say, my mind needs to be renewed. Now, the word renew is two words brought together. It's a combination of two words. The first word is re, which means again. Say re, re. means again. The second word is new, which means, you know what new is, a new car, a new house, a new hairstyle, ladies, a new pair of earrings and stuff like that. So new means new. So if the Bible says we need to renew our minds, it says we must get our minds new again because re means again, repeat, rewind. How many of you guys remember those cassette tapes, you know, those, of my, those that are around my age and more? We never used to um, have these fancy things today where we just press and everything. In our tape decks, we used to use cassettes and then we press, press play, we do stop, and then we do rewind, amen? Or we use a pen, amen, to rewind the cassette, amen? <laughs> now, when we renew the cassette, what are we doing? We're taking back the tape to where it was. We're taking it back to its original state. Am I right? So now, which means we are taking it back to the beginning where it started. So if the Bible says we must renew our minds, it suggests to me that there was a time where my mind was new and my mind became old or my mind became affected and God says I must renew it. I must take my mind back to its original state where it was new. Why? Because it has been affected by things that are happening in this world. Amen? Say I need, to, I need my mind renewed. Amen? So we must take our minds back to where it used to be. I think I've got some direction. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 1. Are you there? If you want the title of my message is, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Are you at Jeremiah 1? Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Can you see verse 4? What is verse 4 saying? Uh huh. What did he say? I can't hear you now. Blah, 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 blah. All right. <laughs> Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, I knew you. What did he say? And then he said, before you were born, I sanctified you. Say that again. And then he said, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now I want us to look at a few words here. I want us to look at the word new. I want us to look at the word um, born. No, no, not born. I want us to look at the word set you apart, all right? Can I have the uh, King James translation? And I want us to look at the word, what is the third one? 
ordained. Right, let, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I sanctified you. Let's go to the next one. And then I ordained you. Say new, new. Sanctified, sanctified, ordained. Okay. Let's say it again. New, new. Sanctified, sanctified, ordained. Okay. Now, if I come to you and I say, I think I know you from somewhere. What am I saying? I've seen you before. I know you, I knew you before the present time, right? So if God says before I formed you in the womb, he, he actually tells us where he formed us. Where did he form us? He said before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now my question then is, Lord, if you knew me before the womb, where did you know me from? Hello? Because as far as you and I and biology is concerned, our first existence is the womb. I mean, even the world has not yet seen us. We exist where? But God says, before the womb, I knew you. And he says, I knew you, meaning I knew you. So my question has always been, Lord, then when and where did you know me before the womb? Because as far as my mom and dad are concerned, my first place of existence is the womb. So when I'm before the womb. And then he continues to say, before you were born, I sanctified you. The previous scripture that they had here, it said set apart. Because the word sanctified is to be set apart. Say I'm set apart. Say God set me apart. Before the womb. And then it says, I ordained you. The word ordained means to be authorized. To be given the ability. Amen. Say, I'm empowered. I'm authorized. I have the ability to become what God set me apart for, which is what he knew me for. So we're going to find out where did God know us. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Are you at Jeremiah 29? Verse 11. Verse 11. He says, For I know the thoughts or the plans that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Are we having the right scripture there on the screen? Jeremiah 29, 11. Before for I know the plans that I have towards you. Other translation says, I know the thoughts, or I know the plans that I have towards you. Say this to me. Say, there are plans that God has for me. Say, God has a plan for me. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. 
plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So God has a future for me. God has a hope for me. God has a future for you. God has a hope for you. Isn't that good news? And this plans and this future that he has for you is the plan and the future that he created before you were born. Now, if you read further in verse number 12, look at what Jeremiah says. Not here. Let's go back to chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 4. Chapter 1 and verse 4 again. Are we there? Let's read again. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet. Now look at what he says. Then Jeremiah said, Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say you are a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So here's a conversation between God and Jeremiah here. And God is saying to Jeremiah, listen, I knew you before you were born. I ordained you. I sanctified you. And Jeremiah starts giving God excuses. And he says, Lord, but you cannot say that I'm a prophet. You have ordained me to be a prophet because I'm only a youth. I cannot speak. Hello? And God says, do not say I'm a youth. Please follow with me with the scripture. Do not say I'm a youth. Other Bible says, who told you that you are a youth? Who told you that you cannot be what God has called you to be? Why? Because Jeremiah was focusing on things that were limiting him from being what God has called him to be. Jeremiah was disqualifying himself from the challenges that he was experiencing in his life. Jeremiah was disqualifying himself because he was comparing himself to the prophets that existed at the time. And God is saying to him that, listen, I've called you to be a prophet. I've ordained you to be a prophet. And he's looking at all the other prophets and he says, there's no way our God has called me to be like them. So he said, Lord, no, I'm only a youth because the prophets that I see, they are not young people. They are older people. And there's another excuse that he gave me. He said, Lord, I cannot speak because he was a starter. He said, I cannot speak because according to Jeremiah, all prophets were well-spoken people. They were able to speak and he is struggling to speak. So there's no way God has called him to be a, a prophet. He can never speak to anyone according to him. And God says, who told you? He said, I cannot speak for I am a youth. Continue. And God says, and the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. In other words, don't depend on your ability to speak because I've got you. I'm going to give you words, and whatever I command you, that's what you will speak. I remember when the Lord called me to be a pastor, and I was like, Lord, every Sunday I must have Word for your people? Now, that was more than seven years ago. I was like, there's no way I'm going to have a sermon every, every Sunday. You know how many Sundays there are in a month? How many Sundays there are in a year? I was like, Lord, no. 
Four times a year, I can work with that. <laughs> but God said, no, go and start a ministry. So every Sunday for the last seven years, I had to have word from God. Even when I did not have word, like today, I had to trust that there is word. I could trust that, listen, I don't have nothing to speak, but I should trust God that he'll give me words to speak. And right now, I'm speaking to you. I don't know what is my next line and my next scripture, but I know it's going to be there. <laughs> Let's go to my next scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Don't worry, I'm not going to be like that pastor who said I'm freestyling and he was all over the place. I'm going to be in one track. I'm going to be in one track. Amen? Praise God. Now, remember we discovered that God knew, I say, say, say this to me, say, God knew me, God set me apart, and God ordained me. So we're going to find out where did God know us from, right? Where did he know us from? How many of you guys want to find out that? Where did the Lord know you from? All right, let's find out where did the Lord know us from. Ephesians chapter number one. Let's start from verse three. Ephesians one, verse three. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say, I'm blessed. I'm, blessed. I'm not asking for blessings. I'm already blessed. I'm working in the blessings of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Can I suggest to you that it is unscriptural to ask God to bless you? Because if you ask God to bless you, you're asking God to do something that he's already done. So you asking God to bless you, it shows your ignorance of what God has done for you. And the reason why we are struggling in many areas of our lives is because we do not know what has been freely given to us. Amen. This book right here is a book of promises. It's full of the promises of God. If you do not know what God has promised you, how can you live in faith for it? If you do not know what God has given you, how can you walk in that thing? That's why you will pray prayers that are pointless, meaning they are missing the word, they are missing the mark, because you do not know what is yours. Many of God's children are praying for things that God has already given them. Imagine your child coming from school and they say, Mom, Dad, can I have food? Yet there is plenty of food in the house. Because they are ignorant of what you have purchased for them. That all the food that is in the house, it is for their benefit. They have food already, but they are ignorant of the fact that they have food. That's why they go around begging for food, not knowing that they have food. God's children, many of God's children are going around begging for that which God has already given them, has already purchased for them. Now he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in God. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And then in verse 4 he says, just as he has done what? Just as he has selected us. This is amplified, right? Just as he chose us in Christ, which is selected us from himself. 
The Bible says he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. What did God do? Say he chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now let me ask you a question. Was there a womb before the foundation of the world? Excuse me? There was no womb before the foundation of the world. Because God says he knew you before the womb. And we are finding out where we existed before the womb. He says he chose us in. He chose us in. He could have said he chose us in the womb. But he says, no, I did not choose you in the womb. When you were in the womb, you were already chosen. Because I chose you in. I chose you in Christ. When? Before the foundation of but Lord, I don't know any foundation of the world. Listen, I don't care if the, if, if the world looks like it's got a foundation. As long as the Bible says there's a foundation of the world, then I believe there is a foundation for the world. I know there's a foundation for this building. I've been taught that the world is round. So I don't know where the foundation is, but God says there's a foundation. So if God says there's a foundation, then there is a foundation. And he says, before the foundation of the world, I was chosen. Say, I existed, I existed in, Christ in Christ before I existed, Christ. In, the in the womb. Say, God knew me, God knew me in, Christ. in Christ. God sanctified me God in, Christ. in Christ. God ordained me God in, Christ. in Christ. So, in Christ, God knew me. And in Christ, God set me apart. To be set apart means he separated you for a specific assignment, a specific purpose, a specific plan. And then he ordained you, meaning he authorized you for that plan which he knew you for, which he set you apart for. He authorized you for it. He gave you the ability to function in it. He gave you the power to function in it. He gave you the anointing to function in it. He gave you the wisdom to function in it. He gave you the favor to function in it. That even when you show up to church without a message, you have been given the ability to function in this assignment. So you will function in this assignment without no sweat. Hello? Because I'm authorized. Say I'm authorized. I'm empowered to function in my God-given assignment. So it is your job to discover your God-given assignment. You were born for a reason. You are not a mistake. Hello? You are born for a reason. There is a problem that God has created you to solve. That's why I discourage people to stop trying to be like someone else. Everyone wants to compare themselves to someone else. If you're busy trying to be someone else, who's going to take the time to be you? Who's going to be you? You keep wanting to be like Beyonce and Jay-Z. Hello? Who's going to be you? If we have two people that are perfectly the same, they talk the same, they walk the same, they dress the same, you know, they've got the same hairstyle and everything. Everything they do the same. One of them is unnecessary. If 
Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God the praise. If you keep on trying to be like someone else, then you are unnecessary. Because no one can beat you in being you. No one can be you the way you can be you. And no one has the power to be you the way you have the power to be you. No one can naturally, if they want to be you, they have to put some effort. But you, you are you without effort, without stress. You are naturally you. Hello? You are naturally you. So no one can beat me in being me. Because I am the best me that I am, even when I'm sleeping. So I beat them while I'm sleeping, being me, while they're trying to be me while they are alive. And they're putting effort in being Abby. Abby's sleeping, and I'm still knocking them out in being Abby. <laughs> are you with me? Say, I am myself. I am who God created me to be. Say, I'm God's original. Hello? Are you with me? Keep trying to be someone else. Be the best you that you can ever be. Are you with me? Let's read the scripture again. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, now this is the purpose why he chose us. It says, he chose us that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Say, I've been chosen to be holy. The Bible says God chose us so that we will be holy. We were chosen before the foundation of the world so that we will be holy. That is being consecrated, set apart for him, purpose driven for him, so that we can live in his purpose. For who? For God. Listen, you are not created for anyone else but God. Can I give it to you in the way you won't like? No, let me go there. I, you guys are liking me. I like the fact that you like me. The, we are set apart for, say, I'm set apart. For God. So in other words, you're not even set apart for you. God did not create you to live for you. God created you to live for him. For live, to live for his purpose. To live for his assignment. To live for whatever it is that he created you for. <laughs> Let's go to verse 17. We are in Ephesians um, one, right? Go to verse 17. Let's start reading from verse 16. Verse 16. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I do not cease to make mention of you in my prayers. So Paul is saying, I continually pray for you. I'm continually mentioning you in my prayers. And he says, this is the reason why I'm praying for you. He said, verse 17, I'm praying so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. So Paul says, I'm praying that God may give you the spirit of wisdom. I pray that God may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation 
In what? In the knowledge of who? In, in, in the knowledge of business? In the knowledge of politics? In the knowledge of what? Paul says, I want God to give you the spirit of wisdom. Say, wisdom is a spirit. I want God to give you the spirit of revelation. Say, revelation is a spirit. He says, I want him to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. He says, you don't know this God. You don't know about this God. You need wisdom. You need revelation to know this God. You think you know God. But there are things about God that you will never know with your natural mind. You need wisdom. You need revelation. He says, that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight of what? Of God. Say, God, I receive deep and personal and intimate insight of you. It says that into the true knowledge of God. That true, if there is a true knowledge of God, then there must be a false knowledge of God. And we've got many that are moving around with false knowledge of God. And they comment on things that they do not know and they do not understand. And they quit on the God that they think they have analyzed and they have concluded. But they know nothing about this God because they don't have a true knowledge of him. They don't have this deep, this personal, this intimate insight of him. They don't have it. They lack in the understanding of who they are dealing with. They don't know who this God is. He says, verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, and the Bible says, the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be what? Enlightened. And then it says, the very center and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. Why? He said, so that you will know. Say, God wants me to know. So that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation. Now, whose divine guarantee and whose confident expectation is this? Is it mine? No, it's not yours. It's God. God has an expectation. He has a divine guarantee to that which he has called you to. God has an expectation to what he has called you to. What is having expectation of you stepping into what he has called you for so that he can benefit from that which he created you to do. Now, God is not benefiting from whatever that he has called us to do because we are busy with so many things in our lives that are far away from the reason why we were created. Far away from what God created us for. That's why we go through stress and depression and sadness and confusion because we are not who we are. The, the, listen. Well, if you see stress in your life, sadness in your life, depression in your life, it's an indication that you are not where God wants you to be. So if you want to, come on, give God the praise. If you want to, listen there, if you want to change that condition of depression, sadness and depression, change your location. Change your location. Change your location. Or change your relationships. Hello? 
There are people in your life that are not supposed to be in your life. There are people in your life that are sent to drain the heaven out of you. And there are those that are sent to add into your life. I'm one of the people God has sent in your life to add into your life. So treat me well, oh. Treat me well. Treat me well, oh. Don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. Let's stick to the Bible. Stick to the Bible, Pastor. Stick to the Bible. We don't want your opinions. We want the Bible. He says, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you may know. Give, me, give it to me in the, in the New King James. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Say, say there is a hope in my calling. Say, God called me with the hope. He called me. Hoping to achieve something. Say, I carry in me a hope for God. I carry in me, come on, an expectation for God. Say, God created me. God called me with an expectation. Now, how you live your life will determine whether God will benefit from that which is expecting to benefit from your life. Or do you want to live your life and God never benefited anything from it? That's why the devil hates you so much. That's why the devil is attacking you the way he's attacking you. Because you are carrying God's expectations. You are carrying God's hope. You see, we've been taught a lot about our inheritance in God. But Ephesians talks to us about his inheritance in us. Are you with me? Go to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2. Verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Are you there? Give it to me in the King James, please. King James. But as it is written... I has not seen, ear, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men or women. I has not seen, ear has not heard, heart has not conceived it. What? The things which God has prepared. For those who love him. Hello. <laughs> In a song. <laughs> Baba Ino, was this your motivation? Hallelujah. Say, I has not seen. Let's put this, let's make it personal. Say, my eyes has not seen. My ears have not heard. And he has not entered into my heart. The things which God has prepared for me because I love him. So there are things that are prepared by God for you because you love him. And those things, your eyes have not seen them. Your ears have not heard them. Your heart has not even desired them. You have not desired. You can't desire what you don't know. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, keep your finger there. Keep your finger there. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. 
Verse 3. Keep your finger there. We're going back. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Are you there? Can you read it together? Are you ready? Read. Let's read. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you... Yeah? Yeah? Say this. Say there are things about me that are great and mighty and I do not know about those things. You see, the problem, you've been believing the devil who's been telling you that you are a failure. Hello, you've been believing the devil who's been telling you that you are defeated. You've been believing the devil who's been telling you that you will amount to nothing. You are finished. Listen, the devil also does not know the same as you do not know that there are things about you that are great and that are mighty. There are things about you that are great and that are mighty. Woo! There are things about you that are great and they are Bible says you do not know them. That's why Paul is saying, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. I pray that your eyes may be able to see and comprehend these things. But, 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 but wait, wait. How, how do we get to know? How do we get to know these things that are great and mighty about us? How do we tap into them? How do we activate them? How do we walk in them? I mean, listen, what does it benefit me for God to have things about me that I do not know? If I do not know them, I will never walk in them and benefit from them. I need to know them. I need to find out about them. I need to walk in them. I need to be able to experience them. So how do I do that? First Corinthians. First Corinthians. First Corinthians. I would, I would, I would. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 2. We were there. We were there. But we're going to verse 10. Come on. First Corinthians chapter 2. In fact, let's start it again from verse 9. Come now, guys. He says, but as it is written, I have not seen, ear have not heard, the heart has not even desired, it has not entered into the heart, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, wait, 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 wait. We are going to find out how, how to step into these things, how to activate these things. Are you ready? You want to know? You want to know? Oh, shit, now I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Next week. Yeah. Must I go there? Must I wait for next week? Must I go there? How many of you guys must say I must go there? Let's see. Let's see. I must go there. Let's see. Okay. How many of you guys say? How many of you guys say next week? <laughs> All right. Let, let, let me give you a, a little idea. And then next week, we will expand on this idea to show you how to make it happen. So now, now we have established that there are things that God knew about her. Say, God knew me, which means he knew the plan that he has for me. Say, God has a plan for me. Say, God sanctified me, which means he set me apart for the plan that he knew me for. Say, God ordained me, God ordained me 
which means he authorized me, which means he gave me the ability to function in the plan that he knew me for, which he set me apart for. I have the anointing to perform it. All right? Say, there are things about me that are mighty and great, and I do not know them. Another translation says, there are things about you that are great and immeasurable. They cannot be measured. They are immeasurable. Hello? And he says, you do not know those things. Amen? And then Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Say, God has a hope. An expectation. So how do I know this? The next verse. But God has revealed them to you through. Someone is like, someone is like, ah, but Lord, his spirit veil, your spirit veil. Ah, Lord, your spirit veil. Say, say, God. Has revealed them. Has revealed them what? The things which are about you. God has revealed them to you through his spirit. Listen, for the spirit. Now, every time you read the Bible and you see the word spirit with the capital S, it's not talking about the human spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Because there's the, we have the human spirit, which is the real you, the one that is created in the likeness and the image of God. And then we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? So the S with the capital, the spirit with the capital S in the Bible is referring to the Holy Spirit. The S in most cases with the small S is referring to the human spirit. So you need to know which spirit you are reading about. All right? So here we're talking about which kind of spirit is this? Is this the human spirit? No, God did not reveal them to us through the human spirit. He revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit because the Holy Spirit is God's spirit. Why? For the Holy Spirit searches all things. Yes, even the what? Even what? Say, say there are things about me in God that are deep. That are deep. That, that are deep. Yeah. Tell the person you say, I'm deep. <laughs> say, I'm deep, oh. Bona, 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 bona. Don't you dare, don't you dare conclude me in the surface. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't, don't conclude me on the top. I'm deeper than what you see. Listen, don't look at greater works and you say, ah, this is all that God can do. Listen, what God is about to do in this house is deeper. It's deeper. Listen, 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 listen. What God is about to do in your marriage is deep. What God is about to do in your finances is deep. What, hey. What God is about to do in your life is deep. But you are never going to tap into that depth. Without the Holy Spirit. Remember who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is to you what Jesus was to the disciples. 
When the disciples walked with Jesus, he revealed deep things to them and about them. They did not even believe that one day they could become fishers of men or they could become those that are ministers of the gospel. They did not know that they could become apostles. They did not know they were fishers of men, they were text collectors, they were whatever. They were doing all sorts of things, but God knew things about them that they did not know. And those things were deeper than what they realized. And when they came in contact with Jesus, they discovered themselves. When you come in contact with the Holy Spirit, you will discover yourself. You think you know you. You don't know nothing about you because you did not create you. You keep telling people, says, when I'm Azigash, now, now I'm Azigash. You know nothing. And we come as preachers and we try to tell you that there are things about you. And then you keep on saying, no, they don't know me. We know. We know what the Bible says. Listen, it's either I'm going to believe what you say about you or I'm going to believe what the Bible says about you. And I choose to believe what the Bible says about you because your opinion of yourself is inconsistent. Your opinion of yourself is based on the circumstances of your life. When things are going well in your life, you think this of yourself. When things are going down in your life, you think this of yourself. When people are gossiping about you, you think this of yourself. So I cannot trust your opinion of you, but I trust what the Bible says about you. And the Bible says you are a peculiar person. You are the designer's original. The Bible says you were bought with a price. The Bible says greater is he that is in you than that one which is in the world. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. The Bible says you are a child of God. The Bible says you are anointed by God. The Bible says you are everything that God has created you to be. The Bible says you are healed. The Bible says you are God's chosen people. The Bible says you belong to your royal family. The Bible says Christ lives in the inside of you. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says God does not live in temples made by hands anymore, but your body, that imperfect you, God has chosen for himself to dwell and live in there. You are God's carrier. You are a carrier of God. The Bible says... God created you with the hope. You are a carrier of God's hope. You are a carrier of God's expectation. Without you, God cannot accomplish what he's dreaming about. He needs you for his vision to come to pass. You think you need God for your vision to come to pass. God needs you for his vision to come to pass. God needs you for his vision to come to pass. God needs you for people to be educated in the kingdom of God. He needs you. God needs you to lead people into worship. God needs you to write more of those songs. God needs you to usher people more into the presence of God. He needs you. He called you with a purpose. He called you with an expectation. He called you with a function that you should be functioning in. So that the kingdom of God can function. The Spirit searches all things. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. Those things that the Spirit searches, they are about you. They are about you. 
Wow, man. Come on, let's give God the praise. Give me verse 11. Let's close with verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we're seeing two different spirits here. Can we see? What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man? Your spirit, which is the real you, knows the things about you. However, when you become born again, that is a spiritual experience. Your spirit becomes awakened. Awakened to God. Because before the born again experience, your spirit is asleep. The human spirit is That part of you that is made in the image and likeness of God is asleep. Everything else is alive. Your soul is alive. Your body is alive. Your desires and the pleasures of this world, everything is alive. The desire for riches, the desire for fame, the desire for all these things that are in the world, they are very much alive. And that part of you that God has created in his image and likeness is asleep. Remember, we are created in the image of God, meaning we're supposed to look like God. We are created in the likeness of God, which means we're supposed to act like God. So that part that's supposed to look like God and act like God is asleep. Everything else is awake. And the devil is controlling all those things that are awake. And then he says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man, which is in him, right? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So which means, when my spirit... Come in contact with the Holy Spirit. There are things that get awakened. Before Jesus, I wanted to be a quieter star. But when my spirit met with the Holy Spirit, I discovered myself and I started to desire things that were about the real me. The real me. And I started desiring the things of God. Listen to me. Growth comes from spending time with the Spirit of God. Spiritual maturity. To mature this guy, the spirit of a man, is dependent on the amount of time you spend with this guy. For the spirit of a man to be spiritually mature, he must spend time with the Spirit of God. You coming to church and listening to me preaching is not enough for your spiritual effectiveness and growth. That's not enough. You need to spend time with the Holy Ghost. You need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You, when you start becoming, when you start spending time with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit, you start becoming aware of spiritual things. Spiritual things become real to you. The reason why you are blind of spiritual things right now is because your spirit is starving. The spirit is stabbing the spirit of God. So next week, we're going to talk about how to spend time with the spirit of God. How to receive from the spirit of God the things that we need. 
how to fellowship with the, our spirit must fellowship with the spirit of God if the Lord does not change the message that's the message for next week alright praise God did you get something today from my unprepared message come on let's give God the praise